From Relay FM, this is the Pen Addict, episode 571. Today's show is brought to you by Enigma Stationery. My name is Mike Hurley. I'm joined by Brad Dowdy. Hi, Brad. Back together again. One Reunited week off, one week on. So good. That it sucks. does. It does. Good to be back. Uh, thank you uh, for allowing me the week off last week. Um, but no thanks to you. Uh, thanks to our, our good friend Miranda Sanchez, aka mm-hmm. Havoc Rose, who filled in uh, admirably last week. What a wonderful conversation I had yep. with Miranda on. Literally everything. Like, this is, again, this is one of those times, and people yell at me because I say it all the time. It's like, I could have just kept going, right? Like, like she's the best. So if you're going to keep having such good guest episodes, <laughs> I don't even think it's worth me being here anymore. <laughs> lies. I actually lies, have lies. a request that I would like to make. Okay. And I don't know how anyone will feel about this, but I'm going to make it anyway. If I die... I would like to leave the podcast to Miranda Ooh, to, to wow. pick up the reins from me. That That's would be my pressure. request. I'm making it now. This is my remaining will and testament <laughs> for the pen addict. If I die, then Miranda can have the show. Miranda can choose to do whatever they want with it, ultimately, but I think that they would be a great person to pick up the reins from me if I was to die. I mean, number one, I I agree. Okay. <laughs> number two, I told you like before I told you who the guest was that I told you you did not have to worry about any technical aspects of this uh-huh. show because they are a professional. <laughs> and apparently that has come to bear because you're ready to just hand off the podcast to it's Miranda. It's not the technical part. It's not the technical part. Miranda <laughs> is just so good and so entertaining and like just delightful to listen to yeah. and really knows her stuff. I'm just going to say mm-hmm. like is more knowledgeable than me uh, so would just be a great person. <laughs> To, to take over but until then you're stuck with me i'm afraid well yeah i mean that is actually one of our benefits your lack of knowledge actually that's, plays to our advantage it's like cyberbullying what you just said mm-hmm. to me there mm-hmm. to be honest but <laughs> we, can, we can just move past it one one bit of feedback um you know and you know i know a lot of people uh you know might uh listen to miranda's podcast words and roses or follow miranda online and in, in all the places uh where they're at but um i did get some feedback that said i never heard of you know miranda or the podcast before i went and downloaded all the episodes of the podcast and i'm following all the journaling prompts and this is the best so thank you uh for having miranda on and uh and uh sharing her work with the world so it was great definitely but i'm back now that's what you got you are back you are back and you're gonna get right into a topic where i lost my mind okay um, pretty quickly on um and this is how my brain works a lot of times that i see in this instance a blog post sometimes it's a new product release or some note from someone or you know something on instagram randomly and this time it was a post from anna at the well-appointed desk about the muji fountain pen and an updated muji fountain pen this one's called the polycarbonate the muji polycarbonate fountain pen and I'm like, man, I love this pen. It's just like the Platinum Preppy. You know, I have this whole diatribe on the Platinum Preppy and the Platinum Perpinep. And I put all these links together to discuss this product. And like, this is the best. Why haven't I talked about this before? And I did that, I don't know, yesterday or two days ago, I was writing all these notes, this very comprehensive set of notes and links in the show document. I was like, I'm, I'm just going to lay all this out. It's going to be fantastic. And then i completed that task, you know, completed the preparation. And then it was just weighing on me. It's like, how have I not talked about this before? Right? Because there is no more perfect item for me to discuss than a $5 platinum preppy was what this ostensibly is. And especially one that has been white labeled by Muji and made it a design that I love. How did I miss this? Like, so I'm seeing Anna's post just from last week going, how did I miss this? Turns out I didn't, <laughs> Mike, but okay. it was racking my brain <laughs> trying to figure this out. So first off, let me talk about this pen real quick. Yeah. So it is a white barrel platinum preppy with no markings on it whatsoever. 
and it's at at Muji, which is known for their white label products. So this is their second fountain pen that I'm aware of. The first one is the popular aluminum barrel knurled grip that I very much dislike. I'm I'm, I'm well on record as saying I that's maybe the only Muji product that I dislike is that metal barrel fountain pen. I just think it's very average. Like it's fine. Like there's nothing wrong with it, but it's 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 being held up to a standard that I don't think it's deserved. This pen is. A literal mimic of the Platinum Preppy, just with everything stripped off. Where, like, we know Muji, white labels pretty much all their pens, and they will use the refills for, say, like a Pilot G2 and create their own Muji barrel exterior around the outside. Very generic, plain, a lot of them translucent, kind of frosted barrels, whatever. But use the stock good barrel. This one, you literally look at it, you go, oh, that looks mm-hmm. like a Platinum platinum preppy you uncap it it's got the p on the nib right from the platinum preppy and it just it's basically a stripped down version of my favorite platinum preppy which is called the Perpinep, which i've talked a lot about on this show um i've reviewed it glowingly on the blog i'll have the ink uh, the link to the um to the um review in there and it all kind of links back to this early fountain pen that I discovered, I think it was back in 2009, I did a review of a pen called the Sailor Ink Bar. So there's this whole through line of inexpensive white plastic barrel fountain pens with blue-black ink that kind of all roll through since 2009 on the blog, and this is a category that I love, right? The Ink Bar was such a popular pen because it was just kind of this inexpensive disposable pen, but it was also cool-looking, for people who like, you know, cool looking pens and had, you know, blue black ink and then it just went away. And I kind of, the Perpinep was the kind of the, um, not predecessor. What is the, what would be the, the follow it, the follow up to that pen. It kind of took the place of it, um, later, you know, decade later and became one of my literal favorite pens of all time. And it's just this $7 plastic pen. Well, now you can get this basic white one at Muji. The problem is um, they don't seem to be super accessible at Muji. Like I was still finding the links before I discovered that I'd actually talked about this before, which I'll get to my whole discovery process here. I, w- I just went to Muji and I guess I went to the US site. Doesn't exist. Like it's, it's just not there. So I was having to search around all over. I only found it on the Canadian Muji site and the Philippines Muji site to actually purchase this pen, which is about $5. So, um, and it turns out that I didn't miss when this pen launched back in February of 2022. As I was searching, I found it on our friend Jacob at food a fan on Instagram. He had an Instagram post from February, 2022 that mm-hmm. I did not heart Mike. I did not heart that post, nor <gasps> did I save that post. Unbelievable. So I was like in my head now, this actually really bothered me because how did I not see this? Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like I have, I would have raved about this pen if I saw it. And that would have been the first place I saw it. And I certainly would have hearted that post, Mike. <laughs> and it was not hearted. It is now hearted by at Pen Addict. Um, if you go and look I'm now. happy you rectified yes. this travesty. <laughs> From the February 2022 post of Jacob also, at Food Also, you say, you say hearted. Like, you say that in your mind. Like, if you're doing that yeah. to a post, you're hearting it? Yeah. 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 See, I say liked. Gonna, I still say liked in my brain. Sure. I'll, I'll heart it or I'll thumbs up it. I just never like it unless the button like literally says like. Like, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So on YouTube, YouTube's thumbs up and Instagram's is hearts. <laughs> I hearted that post. Yes. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> I did not heart it, Mike. <laughs> so I was even more confused. It's like, how did I miss this? So then I went on a search. I searched all the pen addict archives. I searched the relay archives. Oddly enough, like, so here's here's my investigative uh, mind at work. So since Jacob posted that February 22, I was like, oh, if I would have seen that, I certainly would have discussed it around that time frame. So I uh-huh. went back into our archives, into into the uh, into the Wayback Machine of our our, our podcast archives, and was looking for the links. Did I discuss this? Did I discuss this? Turns out we had Jacob on. It's not we. I had Jacob on in March of 2022. Not once did this pen come up. 
in that conversation and literally like a month after him. So even in, in my research to talk to Jacob, I missed this. And then it was still bothering me. I was like, how did I not talk about this around that time frame? And then I found it, Mike, episode 501 in the Ask TPA section from frequent Ask TPA or Fibber. Hey, have you seen the new Muji fountain pen? Boom. So I am not crazy. Well, I'm based on this conversation, technically. I'm going to say, Brad, you two sound a little unhinged at this point. (laughs) A little unhinged. But I feel satisfied that I did find the original mention of this pen in episode 501 at the 46 minute mark. That's how much it was bothering me (laughs) that I hadn't found this pen, that I had talked about this pen before. (laughs) It bothered me so much because I love it so much, Mike. And I was distraught at missing this, the most perfect pen ever. I mean, okay, that's a little hyperbolic like I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll grant everyone that but still you know how I feel about a product like this and for me to feel that I had somehow missed it over a, like a year and a half ago was completely bothersome to me <laughs> so there you go we'll have a bunch of links in the show notes to go check out this wow. pin the only thing I want to hear now is if people can find this pin Right. That's what I'm curious about. You may just have to go in person to your like your local Muji store and see if you can come up with this. But it you looks, can't buy it online? Well, like I said, I only found it on the Canada site and the Philippines site, right? I have links to oh. those. But like I not in the US site. I didn't even see them on the Japan site. Um, but I could have missed huh. it. So um and yeah, like to, this is the Muji pen. In the UK and see if I can find it. All right. It's called the uh, Muji Polycarbonate Fountain Pen is how they list the products generally. Um, terrible name, right? Like it's just not good. It's it's People aren't going to just stumble across it. But if you see these in the wild, like if you walk into a Muji store, see a bunch of just generic white looking pens, this is the Platinum Preppy in the awesome white barrel. And it's just going to be the best pen. Like I wrote in our show notes, you cannot buy too many of these pens, right? Because you'll either use them yourself, you'll give them to people as... Hey, do you want to try a fountain pen? Like we always mm. talk about the Platinum Preppy. And a lot of people know about Muji that may not know about like a lot of stationary things, but they know that, hey, Muji pens are good or Muji notebooks yeah. are good. And the UK this is site legitimately- doesn't have any fountain pens. Oh, it does have one. Weirdly, it doesn't. The metal When one? I search the word Aluminum fountain one? pen, it doesn't come mm-hmm. up. But if I search through it, I find the aluminum one, which yeah. is weird. Uh, yep. But yeah, it doesn't look like they have the polycarbonate one. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just curious now um, if people that go to Muji stores can can they find this pen because it's been out for a year and a half now, apparently, and I never hear about it, which is kind of how I got to this point of disillusionment on what I had actually seen previously. So (laughs) um, my my apologies to to the pen world for uh, um, (laughs) for repeating myself, but I was really flummoxed on this whole situation here. But uh, I'm glad I've sorted it out, Mike. Aren't you aren't you happy for me? I'm so happy for you that you found peace. <laughs> I did find peace. I also found peace in this in this next pen, Mike. Okay. And it is the Twisby Eco Heat. We are bringing the heat this week, Mike. What do you think about the Twisby Eco Heat? Well, I haven't. Oh, okay. See, I, I from the link that you put in the show notes, it just went to the yep. Pen Chalet page, and it I didn't know that heat was the name of the color. It's the orange one. Okay, yeah. so I saw the orange one. I was like, oh, that looks fun. So, yes, yeah. this is good. This is good. Yeah, I, I'm i the same way. This is good, right? This is the first, like, Twisby. I think I've bought every Twisby version that has come out, their new color versions. Like, let us mm-hmm. let me be very clear. They're not inspired. They just keep picking really good colors, right? <laughs> um, I, but I'm not going to say, oh, like, this is some groundbreaking thing. But they do a really good job at color selection. They're just a little bit off the basics into kind of these cool color ranges, which I do like and do appreciate it. So they had the limited edition orange one that was uh, Japan only, or it might've been China only. I can't remember the exact location. And it was more like orange peel, orange, like pure traditional orange. This has a little tint of yellow in it. I was going to say, like, I can't tell if it's like, there's like a gradient going on here or yeah. if it's just the way the, the orange reacts to different lighting. 
Yeah, I don't think there's a gradient. I think it just has that lightness in the color yeah, that is giving it that sunshiny orange as opposed to like a pure like orange peel type of orange that you might expect. So I think it's good. I've actually, uh, I'm going to use this one for me in my own rotation for a mm. while. Like, this is the first one I've probably bought for myself in a long time. But uh, it, it's a good color. I will ink it up with some fun inks. Um, maybe Fire on Fire. I don't know. That seems like the obvious choice. That so. seems like the one... But I could always go with a yellow ink. Like I, I do like some. If I can get it, like my good yellow inks that I like, I could put that in there. Like um, um, Orochizuku Daikokuten, mm. which is one of those anniversary inks, which I really like. So I don't know. But I, I bought this for myself, which is not something I've done from Twisby in a long time. So I really like this color. It's obviously going to do really, really well. Um, you shouldn't have any problem getting them though. Like this is a pen they make a lot of, right? So yeah. like you don't have to run out and and go crazy trying to, to get one of these. Like they're very well in stock at our good friends, Penn Chalet. So should have uh, plenty more coming your way. Very cool. What I don't know, Mike, mm-hmm. and I'm curious about is mm-hmm. how many more Pelicans are coming our way. Okay. And I mean, Pelican fountain pens. So news broke the past week that Pelican, the brand has been sold. And our good friend Joshua Danley at um, the Pelicans Perch, of course, has all the details. And I'm basically linking this to implore you to go read all the ins and outs of this transaction. But the short version is Pelican was sold to a French brand called Hamlin, the Hamlin Group. And I'll more on that in a second. And there are a lot of interesting tidbits um, in... Josh was reporting on this. I want to read this one snippet I clipped on the reasonings why, and then we'll get into more on maybe what it means for us. Okay. Um, so this this is the reason why they sold it. Sold it. Um, in yesterday's filing with Bursa Malaysia, which is where the current ownership group was, was I, I guess a, a Malaysian group, Pelican cited changes with their distribution channels, production technology, and the global economy as the rationale for selling the brand, which they've held on to since 2005. So this was the previous owner group. Wholesalers, Pelican's main customers in the past, have increasingly been replaced by more direct distribution channels, a change that has resulted in high complexity and increased margin pressures. At the end of the day, Pelican felt that they lacked the resources necessary to continue to invest into the changes within those channels, resulting in the company being less competitive in the global marketplace. So now you take this and juxtapose that with the fact that 93% of Pelican's business is school and office supplies. Their luxury brands, the fountain pen section, luxury Uh writing, 7% of their market. So this is great context to have when we think about the things we talk about. And this goes for a lot of brands, right? Um, the love, the oversized love and reverence we have for say like a Pelican fountain pen or a Pelican fountain pen ink is a really small factor. Well, it's not tiny though. Like it's 7%. And to add more context to this, they, they do like annual sales of like, where was it? 140 something million. So the, the fountain pen, the luxury brands lineup is responsible for 10 to $15 million in sales a year. Okay. For us, that's a big number, right? But for Pelican, it's a, it's a very small line item. So the fine writing instruments division accounts for 7% of Pelican's 20, 2022 sales. So that's interesting, right? Like I find this interesting that what we as Panatic listeners think of as pelican is actually a very small fraction of the pelican business and i think we lose sight of some of that sometimes when we talk about some of these larger companies you know including like sailor and pilot and that have a lot of other things going on you know in their business operations right this is very much not a fountain pen company even though we hold them to a very high fountain pen standard right so i think 
surprised that they are struggling in the marketplace. Mm -hmm. I feel like, by and large, Pelican are a bit more ignored now than they used to be. I think that competition has increased around them quite significantly. And I don't think that they have rose to the challenge like some of the competitors have. That's my read on the situation. Mm -hmm. But then I I look at your statement and then I think, I don't even know their competitors, right? Because 93% of the business is not the part of the business that I am focused on, right? So who are their school supply and office supply competitors? Well, Mm. that's who ended up buying them, right? So the Hamlin Group... I looked at the list of products that Joshua listed or the list of brands under the Hamlin um, umbrella. I recognized two of them. So Oxford and Cambridge. Um, Interesting uh, combination there. Those are two like office supply staples. (laughs) (laughs) That just hit me when I was, when I was saying that out loud, (laughs) Yeah, that literally just hit me. Um, So a lot of their whole lineup is essentially school and office supplies, right? So this brand, uh, what are they going to do with a, with a high end luxury fountain pen lineup? Are they going to keep it? Are they going to keep that going? Are they going to spin that off and sell the, the luxury portion or the fine writing instruments division? Like, is that a thing? Like this is all, these are all things Joshua talks about. So this is a great read, and I'm going to say something that I rarely say. You should actually read the comment section, <laughs> which the, you know, the, the internet um, common idea is you should never read the comments. The comments on this are actually very good. There's some good conversations and some good breakdowns in the comments on what people are thinking about this. And there is some general and, – and people that are reading Joshua's site – are fountain pen fans, right? This is the 7% of the market that is commenting on this post. And they're generally positive that we could have a good outcome as fountain pen friend, as fountain pen fans, you know, whether that's a sale of the division or a refocusing of what that part of the company means to the overall, um, the overall brand. So it, it's interesting. And uh, Joshua, I was obviously has some really, really smart takes on, on all of this. Yeah. So I implore y'all to read that and read the comments. So there's a lot of good stuff. So do you think my take is wrong? Like that Pelican hasn't really. So been if, competitive? if we talk about it from the fine writing instrument, if we talk about it from that 7% market, I do agree because right. that's what I'm talking my, about. Yeah. And my statement of that doesn't mean I dislike Pelican or what they do. And and that's what I'm saying either. Yeah. To me, they're the most static brand. Yeah. Big brand out there, right? Um, I I feel like there was a time where it was like, oh man, it's like the best thing you can get. Like I remember when I got my M205, it was like a big deal. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But that was like 10 years ago like eight or nine years ago and i feel like their pens today aren't Mm -hmm. massively different and every now and then they do something special like the ocean swallow or whatever but it's not like if i look at platinum right i feel Mm -hmm. like platinum are in a similar state and we're gonna talk about Mm -hmm. them again today but then they decided seemingly all of a sudden to just churn Mm -hmm. out loads of really interesting 3776s and like and i feel like that is a thing that pelican has not awoken to do of like we're going to take one of our models that people like and we're going to make a bunch of really interesting looking ones and i i feel like pelicans seem to do it quite sporadically and they haven't necessarily broken outside of what they are known for doing so like they have Mm -hmm. their fans but they i don't think that they've done as good a job of like expanding their design range to include more people Right. And if we're going to have a completely fair conversation, I would have to rope in my hitters over at Pilot. Um, And you could take everything you just said, take out the word Pelican and put Pilot in there. Yeah. Um, I think that's the closest thing we have. Um, Although I think Pilot is a larger company. They have more different subsidiaries and more different things that we don't even know about that's in their business model. But as the, the fine writing market you see very little change at pilot, which is something I've yelled about for years. And I think Pelican's the same way, right? 
like where is the innovation where is the you know the the style changes the idea changes the modernization of the product lineup changes you know all these things um i think you could very much go down like pelican and pilots product lineups and have a very one-to-one type of relationship with what we see from both so I uh, just wanted to to point that out that I think they are actually those two companies are actually very similar mm-hmm. um, in what they are, but Pilot probably has a leg up in Japan. Um, I would say in the general marketplace. So I don't I don't know what those numbers and what that comparison looks like. I would love to see that, but I do feel in that fine writing division. I feel like they can both get caught up in that same rut of our stuff is so good. We're just going to keep pumping out the same stuff and people are going to keep buying it. Right. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think it's very similar. So this will be interesting to see over the next year or two with, with Pelican, what changes we see um, in, in the market, in the fountain pen lineup, fine writing lineup, the 7% lineup. Um, because that's what we focus on, right? Like, you know, the, the, us, the rest of the stuff is like, man, I haven't even heard of all these brands. (laughs) 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 Yep. We are, we are super special. We are fine riding. Genuinely though, like, I feel like I can't wrap my head around what the other 93% is. Yeah. What is the, who's, what is it? Who's buying it? It's 44% school supplies, 36% office supplies. Who is buying Pelican office supplies? <laughs> I don't know. Is it? I mean, so, it must be in. Like, so then, then there, then there's fractions of other things which are not listed. You know, it, specifically. It must but be that is, in, in like Germany or something, right? That like yeah. a bunch of German companies are buying like all mm-hmm, Pelican mm-hmm. office supplies. Right. So that's eighty percent of sales. Another seven percent in fine writing. So that leaves thirteen percent, which is not directly accounted for in this post, but you know, just random things. So as wild to me. I mean. It's telling me two things, which is either they don't... Like, I'm trying to work it out because, like, the fine writing stuff must account for, like, a large amount of revenue, right? It's 10 to 15 million based on the percentages. Right, because the prices are more expensive. So they must be absolutely Mm -hmm. crushing it. I mean, that's probably why Hamlin bought them then, right? Because Hamlin do office supplies. They just want an office supply company. Pelican must be destroying it in Europe. So that's the the one interesting takeaway that I had from like the the business aspects of this and reading reading Joshua's um, dissection of this is that this brand is profitable, but the shareholders are not getting their dividends right. So mm. Pelican is actually making money every year, but not enough money to pay out more to the stockholders, which is just an like a completely weird concept to me right yeah, like that's where i feel that 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 why like i've i've focused on the high-end stuff there is more mm-hmm. room in there and that would that would account yeah. for a higher profit yeah yeah so it's interesting like i like i am not obviously like really dialed into like these aspects but i find the the concepts and the the moving and shaking very interesting and i'm glad that we got to see some numbers here right um to to kind of help you know, frame some of the conversation. It's it's interesting when we and you can use these kind of conversations to think about the other brands that we talk about too, right? Like thinking about how much we talk about a Pelican fountain pen or ink, and that it's just such a fractional piece of the bigger Pelican puzzle is just kind of mind blowing, and I think it's very interesting. This episode of The Pen Addict is brought to you by our friends at Enigma Stationery. Enigma Stationery offer unique items made from in-house designs alongside top brands, which include now Troublemaker Inks, which is a fantastic name, mm-hmm. Ferris Wheel Press with the best packaging in the game, and Thousand Skies. You can join Enigma Stationery as well at the Pacific Northwest Pen Show from July 8th to the 9th in Portland, Oregon. Enigma Stationery are launching several new items at the show, including some fresh imports from overseas and their newest exclusive pen, Special Edition Number 7 PDX. PDX was made by Terry at Hogtown Pens using his Adelaide pen model. The material was a new blank from Enigma with green, yellow, white, and blue colors inspired by the City of Portland flag. This edition includes just 10 pens. 
priced at $200, including your choice of Yowo number 6 nib. Now, Enigma have put up uh, the pen on the site so you can go look at it in advance, and that is quite a handsome blank mm-hmm. that they have produced here. The colors look fantastic. Yeah, it is going to do absolutely gangbusters at the Pacific Northwest Pin Show. Y'all should all go see Enigma Stationery there. Y'all should all go make the the time to go to the Pacific Northwest uh, Pin Show if you're in the area this weekend. Um, it is a Saturday-Sunday show, which will be very cool. And I promise you, you want to hold some of your budget <laughs> for the Enigma Stationery table. Because when you get there, if you're going to look for this pin... Having seen Dan and family at the San Francisco Pen Show last year, the amount of goods they bring that are just so cool. You like go down their table and you're just like, oh yeah, I need that and I need that. It's one of those tables that you come away with like a handful of stuff and especially seeing this pen that has the uh, colors of the portland city flag on there mike i i think it's uh i think it's going to do gangbusters at the pacific northwest pen show this is very cool as Brad mentioned, the Enigma Stationery will have many other exclusive pens and products available at the show, but if you can't make it to Portland, don't worry. New items will arrive on their website on, by July 12th. I expect if stuff isn't bought, it will be there. If it's all bought, I'm sure they'll have some other fun goodies as well. Go check it out for yourself today at enigmastationery.com slash penaddict, and you can use the promo code penaddict to check out, and you'll receive a free gift and discounted shipping on orders of over $40 or more. That is enigmastationery.com slash penaddict and the code penaddict. Information will be in the show notes. Our thanks to Enigma Stationery for their support of this show and Relay FM. Shout out of the week, Mike. Shout out of the week. <laughs> Extra fine writing, which is a newish, I, has, what do you call uh Writing on Substack, they're not necessarily newsletter. It's a it's a Substack. Just call it a Substack. Yeah. Okay. All right. So it's a Substack that I've been following. I don't know, maybe the last six or eight months. I describe extra fine writing as a stationary fever dream, Mike. It is one of the weirdest, wildest, most fun stationary blogs i'm really stuck on what I, I, I but it's it's you know it's it's, it's a sub singular all right it's a sub stack but it, it's a blog letter stack um, it's a sub stack just call it what it is it's what it is <laughs> all right it's a sub stack there you go so all you gotta do all you gotta do mike is go over to the sub stack click on the about page mm-hmm. and my commentary on what extra fine writing is comes to life immediately on the about page and it says extra fine writing is this picture but as a newsletter what is that picture mike it's a picture it of the chaos the, pen it is the chaos pen and not just a picture of the chaos pen it's one of the marketing images with sylvester stallone in it yep. and it's just freaking glorious and the 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 subheading is this is the best picture of the best pen that has or ever will exist it perfectly captures the joy and exuberance of fine writing and also skulls. So this Perfect. is everything you need to know about extra fine mm-hmm. writing. All of the writing is this. Like you take this introduction to the Substack and transform that into a weekly product review and this is what you get. It just so happens this week they reviewed a spoke design pen mm-hmm. um, and just absolutely went off in the best way possible right like we need to rename this pen like that was their their um idea on our spoke roadie two perforated lava uh pen that we just launched a couple weeks ago it's like we need a better name for this pen here are my ideas and it's great like i love that i love that so i thought that was really fun so go check out extra fine writing um and um yeah it's it's kind of fantastic so go check it out Two weeks ago, Mike, mm-hmm. we talked about the Platinum 3776 new series, the Fuji Unkei Uroko Gumo, and I still haven't learned how to pronounce that yet. Um, and we were talking about it because I had gotten an image that I wanted to share, then I realized that it was a private image, so I did chose not to share it, but I still talked about it. But now the full release and the pre-orders are out. Like all the images are out of the pen. So I wanted to follow up on that, link it to the show notes. You and I had seen it already. You mentioned how you you really liked it. But I, I wanted to put that uh, as follow-up, um, a follow-up link to uh, the... 
I liked the image you showed me more than the images I've seen now. <laughs> okay, I very much dislike this pen. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna go on the record. I don't like I, from it. the beginning, I did not like it. No, I'm like okay. I liked the image you showed me. It's fine. Yeah, this mm-hmm. I don't like. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't understand why that's changed. But now I'm seeing it. It mm-hmm. just looks like a bunch of holes in a pen. Like it, I, yeah. which I don't like. You know that like tryptophobia thing. Like I have that, mm-hmm. and so I'm just looking at this, and I'm not, I'm not enjoying what I'm seeing. I think the mm-hmm. image that you showed me was low enough resolution or something <laughs> that it made it look better. I don't know. But now I'm not a fan of this. I'm not a fan of this. Okay. I mean, I'm not. I don't feel like justified in my thinking, but I really felt like an outlier. The people who are seeing this were loving it, and that's great. Like you should absolutely love this pen if you love this pen. But it's like. This is very like uh, it's I want to see some disjointed design because all yeah, of these yeah, images have come from platinum and it looks like one yes. photo shoot and they put a bunch of watermarks on it which makes it look like the word platinum is printed on the pen cap which is just so exactly. stupid. I don't so know that's what everyone has now. I don't yeah. know what they think's going to happen like what is going to be like some oh it's a fake image like it's mm-hmm. this doesn't make any sense to me why platinum have watermarked the images they've given to vendors. It's <laughs> right. so, like I'm going to hold out like for a third, you know, like I want to see somebody take a photo of yeah, this pen in studio, and see how it looks. in studio yeah. images, because this does not look like what you sent to me, and I don't right. really understand what's happening. This is here. a very much more aggressive looking pen than yes. what I sent, and to I me, agree. like I said, uh, it's a very disjointed design to me. Mm-hmm. I, I I would want I. I understand based on the theme picture that we were able to share last week what they're going trying to do. I just don't think it needed this type of differentiations in cap design and barrel design. There's, I want some kind of through line instead of like a, this one's very divisive. It's like, it's a very dividing line type of pen. So I think it's going to do well, right? This is a good pen. People want to get in on the new series of the Mount Fuji series. So like this will be the first of five, one a year for the next five years. So this will obviously do well. A lot of people will buy it. We do now know the price of it, which is $396, which is probably exactly what I would have guessed for this pen. Like that's the current kind of going rate. I'm glad it at least starts with a three and not like a four or something. Um, which would they were getting to with some of the last uh, the the previous product lineup uh, after the Kumpu, they started just kind of really ramping up the pricing on these pens. Some of them getting up into the four hundreds. This seems uh, better. This is also a a three thousand uh, unit edition of pens, so three hundred pieces. So three ninety six seems about right for this pen. So no no qualms with the pricing on it. So if they make three thousand, why don't they make an extra seven hundred and seventy six of them? I don't know. They used to do that. I don't know what the holdup is. It's like it seems like that's the thing to do, but yeah. I mean that's a that's a that's a big number. I mean, it's again a lot on. more. I mean, you're adding yeah. like thirty percent more on top. But mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just got to say it, you know. I'm with you. Like it feels weird. Hey, it's the thirty-seven seventy-six limited to three thousand. It's like you had an opportunity, so but close. Like, that that's know? a big chunk. Realistically, that's a big price. But like it feels yeah. You, anyway, yeah. Uh, it's yeah, expensive. A lot of times. A lot of times they'll just go with like a thousand, right? And it's like, mm-hmm. okay, yeah. It's like they're not even close to thirty seven seventy six, but it feels like, hey, you're a little bit close, but yeah, it's fun. also very, very pricey. Yeah. So anyway, um, that's the follow up on that. And uh with that, I want to get into a little mini topic I was thinking about coming off of vacation, Mike, if you'll allow me. And I think it's probably I don't know that I'm in the summer stationary doldrums. Like I don't feel like I am. But I've coming off a vacation where I didn't use much stationery and I came home from that trip and sat at my desk and I was like, I don't know what to use. Like, what should I pick up? Like, I have the world at my fingertips, right? Like, I can literally do anything. And I couldn't. Like, I was, it was like, I was locked up. I was like, oh, what is this? What is happening? And I quickly got out of it, right? Like, you start, just pick up a pen, start writing, pick up a notebook, start writing. But you start thinking about all these things that we have. And we also, um, as shown by this specific podcast, we're also driven a lot by the news cycle, the release cycle, um, you know, what's going on in the broader stationary community, what's new and coming up. And we've obviously talked about those things a lot here. 
But it feels like this time of year is always like the quiet period in stationary, like pre-August, even though it's like back to school season, that really has kind of fallen flat over the past decade or so, because there's not a lot of change by the broader companies, the bigger companies like your pilots, Uniballs, Pentels, they're not doing much new stuff that are bringing out like the reels like school supply season. So like school supply season is not really a thing anymore for me. So when I was looking at this, I was like, why am I feeling a little bit, you know, uh, having the stationary doldrums right now? And I thought about like, what seasons do we have during the year for stationary? Like, what are the ones I always talk about? It's February is always a big one for me because that seems to be the product release time for the first half of the year, right? People, the companies have gotten past the holidays and are into a new year and they start talking about all the new products that are coming in like March, April, May timeframe, right? So, you know, that seems like a season to me, like February new release season. Then we have August planner season, right? We're about to run up on that now. And oh my gosh, there's already stuff popping out now for planners, which is just really bothersome for me <laughs> in this far ahead for 2024. But that's, that is something we will definitely cover in another month or two. Um, and then we kind of have the holiday season, right? There's general good amount of new releases, like around the October time frame leading into like the November, December holiday time. So those are the seasons I see like in the stationary world. And I'm sure there's more like little sub seasons and other things that I'm missing. So I was thinking about during this kind of gap that we have right now, what can we do to get out of the stationary doldrums? And I came up with a few small things that you can probably all think about this yourself and you could probably come up with these same answers that I did, but I wanted to put them down in paper and kind of put some of these things into practice, um, which I have done recently. And since I've come back from vacation to just kind of reboot and refresh my love for stationary, like it never goes away. Right. But you mm-hmm. know, we all have these days, right. Where we have a day or two or maybe a week or even longer where it's like, you know what? I just can't, I can't pick up a pen right now. I'm not inspired, right? I'm not inspired to write or to use things. So that's, that's tip number one is use something new. And I mean this in something you currently own. Like I'm not telling you to go out and buy stuff, right? What do you have that you haven't used recently? Like take a good look at, you know, do you have like myself, do you have 12 fountain pen inks inked up? And that's what you're using all the time. Well, maybe I should grab a multi-pen, right? Why not grab like a Jetstream multi-pen or a Kalito multi-pen? Pick one of those up. You know, it's one of my favorite, some of my favorite products ever are these classic multi-pen designs. Use that for a week, right? Grab a wooden pencil. You know, I love my wooden pencils. I haven't been using them for months. Why don't I dedicate you know, some time with wooden pencils and don't pick up the same, you know, Blackwing 602 that I'll always grab, you know, go find a different one. Like I've got stacks of this stuff and you can all do that individually too. You know, if you only use fountain pens, well, maybe you have one that's sitting around that you haven't used for six months. How about go ink that one up, give that one a shot. So a couple of recommendations that I have for multi-pens and wooden pencils. Like if you do, like I'm not, again, I'm not saying go buy something new, but if you haven't used a Pilot High Tech C Kalito and you're a fountain pen user and you want to try a neat gel pen, you can buy a three cartridge Pilot High Tech C Kalito and refills for like under 10 bucks. And you get a really good writing experience, a really fun um, type of pen to use differently than you use your fountain pens. And that's the key here is kind of setting aside what you normally use to discover something new. And for a pencil, how about the Mitsubishi Office 9850? I think it might be the best pencil ever made. And I, I've kind of gone on record with that. Um, and it's like it's like a dollar or a dollar ten, right? Mm-hmm. Like these things are like cheap. And it's such an interesting experience. Like if you only ever use pencils back when you were in school and you haven't used a pencil for 20 years and you pick up a Mitsubishi Office 9850, you go, oh, this is different. This is not what I'm used to growing up. So like, what do you think about like just trying something new, even if you have, you know, uh, something, you know, personal, Mike, like what, what would you try new that you haven't been doing? In stationary or in life? 
uh, both. I mean, I think it. Uh, I think it kind of all works together, right? Stationary is life, Mike. It sure is. We should be. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's a t-shirt waiting to happen. <laughs> I mean, I do agree with you that, like, especially with hobbies, um, mm-hmm. especially when they're hobbies that are like uh, product driven in a way. That right. there are a couple of things that can happen, which is one, like you get into the cycles, but two, you don't necessarily want to keep spending money all the time. And I think that there is a benefit to going back to stuff that you have and finding new things to do with those things. Like mm-hmm. I think one of the places that I found this easier, gen- like generally, is keyboards, where I have amassed this collection of like different things now, from keyboards to keyboard switches and like keycaps and stuff that i have a more like a feeling of like um more endless customization options available to me that i can like Mm -hmm. go in and swap stuff around like imagine if it genuinely was easy to like swap all of your nibs between all of your fountain pens right right like not just ink but like imagine if all of every nib that you had, you could change, right? And that's kind of how I feel about like keycaps and stuff, right? Where there is a stand, there's much more standardization when it comes to to keyboard stuff than it is fountain pens. And also keyboards are more like moddable and stuff like that. So you can go in and like tweak them and like play around with it. So with fountain pens, like, yeah, you've got like inks and stuff like that. But I feel like there's maybe different ways to express and like something that I was thinking of, of like, if I was going to do something new, this is something I would like to do, but I just don't know if I will do it realistically, time, et cetera, et cetera. But like after listening to last week's episode, I love the idea of like Miranda's, what I'm thinking of is like purpose led journals. Mm-hmm. So like when she was talking about having like particular journals for particular video games, like I, I think that that kind of thing is really cool, right? It's just like right. an, an idea of like, you know, giving yourself an excuse to do a certain thing. And like, I do feel like I've done a little bit of that with my theme system journal that like I use different pens, like I force myself to use different pens, you know? So like that's something. I also think of like uh, Annabelle's uh, F1 journal, yeah. Right. Of like another thing where it's like, oh, here's this like very particular thing that I'm doing with my products that you kind of do in a bunch of stuff, which like you don't necessarily need to do it. I need to do it in the way that you're doing it. But you end up in a situation where it's like, oh, I've made something with more care because I'm I'm forcing myself to take the time on it or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, and the feeling when you do something about that is is so cool and unique. Like I think that like that's why we have the listeners that we do is because yep. they find the like pure joy in discovering something mm-hmm. that really like makes them feel good about you know using a pen and a piece of paper and right it can be just any pen and piece of yep. paper but having those solutions or that little spark of creativity I think it's super important. Like that's like really like at the core of why we do this is is figuring out what those little things are. So yeah, I, I think that's awesome. So like the the second topic I had, it's it's kind of like you can probably relate to this too with some of the theme system journals, but you, you need to take a notebook and paper audit. Right now is the half of the year's gone. If you started a new planner or a journal at the start of twenty twenty three, where are you with that? Right? Did you did you peter out in february like is you already done for the year in february hey i'll raise my hand like that has happened to me before and so what i did this year is i have three kind of notebooks in action and i assessed all of them how what is good about these three notebooks and that's my plotter that i use for mostly like planning and work type stuff i have my five-year uh, journal, my Hobonichi five-year journal, which I started at the beginning of 2023. And then I have just my general everything notebook, which is just a life A5 notebook where just kind of notes and everything go. How have those products or ideas or ways I'm using those things, how have they worked so far? What has gone well? Uh, what has gone poorly? What can I change? What can I do better? So I wrote all that up for Panatic members this weekend in um, a Chronicles post that I do and just kind of broke down, hey, here's 
my plotter. Here's what's going well. Here's what I'm not taking advantage of. How can I fix it? And then I did that for the Hobonichi. And I did that for my everything journal. And I gave each one like a little grade. Like, hey, how has this gone this year? Well, my everything journal, it's been a C, right? How can I fix that? Like, I, it's a C because I haven't been using it as much as I do. Like, it's where my idea brain dumps kind of go. And I wrote how, like, I'm having millions of ideas, but they're going on scrap sheets of paper or in random places or in, you know, just un like places I'm not even like considering like the results of I'm just like capturing somehow well they need to go here like this is what this book is for so like I literally wrote two two and a half pages for just for this topic of the podcast today yeah. like I'm not going to talk about everything that I wrote down but I like I'm barely even looking at the, what I wrote but I just wrote like I open up the notebook said I'm going to write about this topic because it hit me the other day and I'm just going to open up this notebook and put the things there. My other choice, which happens a lot, is I just don't, right? Mm-hmm. I'll have the idea, and then I won't do anything with it outside of leaving it in my head. And that's frustrating because I have these opportunities to sit here for whatever it took me, 20, 30 minutes to write these two and a half pages, and I just went. I just like went off. It doesn't matter, right? I used three different pens. I made all kinds of weird like, you know, uh, arrows and notations and things like that. Like none of it matters, but except that I did it right. Like I got the thing out of my head, put it onto the paper, right? Like I'm literally holding this notebook while I'm talking to you. I have referenced it like very, very little, right? I don't, we don't do a podcast where I'd like read a script. So uh, (laughs) if y'all couldn't tell that by now, (laughs) so literally take a notebook audit like do you have one notebook you're using and you're using to capture everything or you have a bullet journal and you know you've done good for like three or four months but you kind of fell out of the practice of doing it like why like think about why like what broke to to um get that out uh get you out of the habit of doing that and how can you go about and fix that right like like do you ever run into something like that with your your theme system journal mike where you'll ever just kind of go on a run of like i haven't used this for a week or in like you get a little bit stuck in what you're writing every day no sorry i don't no No, i I figured that i I knew that answer going into it yeah the only time i don't do it is when i'm traveling and that's like a purposeful thing that i do so like exactly a variation to my life like it's that it's like a purposeful thing so like i don't feel Mm -hmm. like it's the same but I mean, this is the benefit of creating a system of your own and then making a product for it, right? Of like, well, yeah, this, exactly. this works the, exactly the way that my brain works. Mm-hmm. But I mean, not to get to, you know, but that's kind of the point of the journal itself is it is intended to be flexible enough that you find the thing that mm-hmm. you want to track every day, the things you want to write about every day, and then mm-hmm. it should become easier to do that. That's my belief. So right, that's kind yeah. of what we so did. That's that's perfect. And that's actually why I wanted you to bring that up because you have actually found something that works and that allows you to stick to it. Right. So what I'm asking people, including myself is what about my systems works and where are those kind of like failure points and how can I overcome those and thinking about those type of things. So, and I'll just write down like, like literally write down this works, this does not work and think about, well, if it doesn't work, do I just need to like, fire that piece off into the sun and and say yeah that doesn't work cool like i'm like one page a day planners do not work for me it took me like two years of trying with like a hobonichi techo to say hey that doesn't work and i was trying to force it to work and sometimes you just got to say that's not for me and move on to something else try to figure it out last um last thing you can do is something we all need to do. It's something that's always high on my priority list that I never, ever do or do it rarely, and that's D-Stash, right? You need to like not only audit your notebooks and how you're using them, which I mentioned before, just audit your stuff, right? Do you have pens that you don't use that you can sell, gift, rehome, any of that stuff, right? You all know, like you're, you're all feeling seen right now. It's like, oh, yeah. But to destash, it's not always that straightforward. Like to me, there is a little bit of a process to a destash, and I've done that when I've sold my pens before. Like step one, 
you need to clean your desk or your workspace, right? You can't be sitting around with a mess like I'm staring at right now and actually think you're going to get anything de-stashed whatsoever, right? First step is to organize <laughs> what you have. Clean those spaces up. How do you know what you have, <laughs> you know, unless you have it somewhat organized, right? And then then start taking, once you have like, okay, I've got all my pens organized. My fountain pens are in one place now. Take a real look, and if you haven't used a pen in like a year or two, like when are you going to use it next? And if you're not, like is there any reason to keep it, right? Mm -hmm. Then like we can all make excuses for why we have it, why we want to keep it. Oh, it brings back this memory, but it's also like, you know, an expensive pen that I haven't used in two years. Like really what good is that to you? Maybe you can find a new favorite pen type of situation. So you know, figure out what you want to sell, what you want to gift, what you want to rehome. Um, inks are a problem, right? Like we all, well, I won't say we all, but uh, me specifically, I get into an ink buying spree. Yeah. <laughs> Let's not let I won't I won't lump everybody into my situation. <laughs> that was my mistake. <laughs> but y'all, you know who I'm talking about out there. You know who you are. Um, yeah, like inks are difficult because once you have them you kind of own them because to rehome ink is a challenge because it's one relatively inexpensive, right? You're not going to like get much cost back. And if you have to ship that, well, that's very expensive and kind of risky to do. So inks are a very, very weird thing. So if you can find a way to like, you know, if, if you live local to a pen show that you can drive to and that, that ha that pen show might have a, a give one take one type of table you know or something where they're giving things to beginners maybe you offload you know 20 of your ink bottles to give away at a pen show something like that that's a little little bit more difficult um and then the notebooks going back to the previous topic de-stashing notebooks for example if you've been hoarding tomoe river original 52 gsm are you using it I, I want you to seriously consider those questions. Like, did you buy a thousand pages worth of Tomoe River just to sit on? Did you? And just, I did not. <laughs> okay. I did not. So okay. that, that I wasn't one, sure I'm not. If you were looking in the mirror right no, now. No, there's not a mirror on this one. But that's what I thought of is like people would buy five and ten notebooks of this. And that's that's something I've done not for that particular product mm. knowing that I already have five and 10 notebooks I haven't used. Right. So those are actually easier to rehome, you know, start using your Tomoe river paper stash, right? Like just start using that stuff and commit to saying, Hey, this is my favorite paper. I'm going to use it till it's gone. I, I want you to do that. Right. I don't want you to take any of this stuff as it's too precious to use. Right. And then when it's gone, you should be thankful that you had it in the first place, right? Like, it's just gone now, <laughs> right? It's okay. You're going to be fine, right? You don't have to keep every last um, notebook stashed away of your beloved Tomoe River paper, right? Mm -hmm. So start using that and give away your other stuff, right? Let other people, you know, give them a, a notebook, uh, something to try out, like, and start using, like, your, your fancy stuff. So that's kind of... Those are kind of my quick tips. Um, the overarching idea to get out of the old doldrums here is just to get creative, right? Think about what you have and how you use it, right? And, you know, if you have too much, figure out how to sell it and reinvest into something else that you want or gift it to someone who's getting into the hobby and wants to try the nice stuff, right? So, um, use them differently like mike was saying about miranda has specific gaming journals maybe you have a pen and a notebook and an ink that you're going to commit to using something new on so there's all these little things um just about using your stuff you know like for example if you have all these a5 size notebooks and you're just not getting through them and you get 20 pages into one and you're put that away because there's another fancy a5 notebook over there Maybe you should use a pocket notebook for a time period and fill that up instead of halfway or quarter way filling an A5 notebook, uh, one of the 20 that are on your on your shelf right now. Maybe fill up a pocket notebook instead. Do something different. Get a little bit of creative. And then when you fill up that pocket notebook, maybe you'll be ready to just like jump back into one of those A5s and fill that thing up, right? Mm -hmm. We got to use these stuff, use this stuff. So 
um yeah yeah just just think about getting creative um maybe even like with the ink stuff just if you know ink's hard to rehome or reship maybe you reorganize your storage so you actually see what you have right so maybe you don't buy your fourth uh magenta ink bottle right because you already have three but you didn't realize it because your storage is a travesty so things like that get a little bit of creative creativity in thinking about all your stationery. Maybe that'll help you get out of the stationary doldrums. And this is something that I find uh, during the summertime uh, where we kind of, uh, you know, don't have as much breaking news or interest uh, in the hobby. Everyone's on vacation. Everyone's taking a break. Everyone's joining the summer, at least in the Northern Hemisphere. I don't want to besmirch uh, the the winter down in the, in the Southern Hemisphere right now. So maybe you have the winter doldrums uh, as well. So something to think about, something I wanted to talk about today, because it's something that hits home for me from time to time. All right, if you want to get in touch with us, maybe you can share your feelings on this topic or you have any questions for us to answer on a future show, go to penaddictfeedback.com and you can fill in the form there. If you want to get in touch with us directly, you can find Brad on Mastodon. He's penaddict on mastodon.social. I'm imike on mike.social, I-M-Y-K-E. You can find Brad streaming twice a week. It's twice a week, right? Well, three when I uh, on Wednesday. So That's true. Twi- um, Tuesday, Thursday, 10 a.m. Eastern. 10 Wednesday, then, once we're done. Yeah, 11.30-ish Eastern, Ish. and that, that one's always kind of up in the air. Twitch.tv slash penaddict. You can go to penaddict.com, spokedesign.com, and he's, Brad is penaddict on Instagram as well. I'm iMike, I-M-Y-K-E, and you can check out my work over at cortexbrand.com. Thank you so much to Enigma Stationery for the support of this episode, but most of all, thank you for listening, and we'll be back next time. Until then, say goodbye, Brad. Goodbye, Brad.